0: You're listening to Talking Credit Unions with Chris Smith. These podcasts aim to communicate topics of interest from the world of credit unions. What changes would you make to credit union boardrooms to make them more effective? That's one of the questions I put to Sir Douglas Flint, who is the chair of Standard Life Aberdeen, also the chair of IP Group, the Corporate Board of Cancer Research in the UK, and he's also a trustee of the Royal Marsden cancer charity. He was previously group chairman at HSBC Holdings and he's held lots of other roles, notably as non-exec director of PP. But I was particularly interested in asking him about his chairmanship of the Just Finance Foundation. Sir Douglas, thanks for giving us some time to talk to us. Tell me briefly about the Just Finance Foundation, about its purpose and what it's trying to achieve. So the
1: the Just Finance Foundation was founded from a, an idea that the Archbishop of Canterbury had, uh, which was really a response to high cost, heavy marketed, aggressive credit supply into vulnerable people. And, and he got very exercised about people who were not fully aware of what they were getting into, were, were, were taking on debts, obligations that, that were going to be really problematic to them. And therefore, Just Finance was was about a fairer financial system, more financial inclusion, and, and helping people understand their financial affairs better so that They could get out of problems when they were in them, but even better that they wouldn't get into problems to start with. So there was an element of education and there was an element of signposting as to where can you get help if you've got a problem and how do you recognise you've got a problem?
0: Now, you are no stranger to boardrooms of large businesses and charities, so you must have some good insight into what ways can society change to bring about a fairer financial system.
1: I think I mean, I, I think one of the big issues is and I'm hoping that this COVID period, one of the things that it may have contributed to is people recognising that there's a difference between what they want and what they need. Um, you know, we're in a very heavily marketed uh, society where people are constantly seeing images and, and, and lifestyles that they they believe that they should they, they should seek to emulate. So part of it is, is reducing the demand But the other thing I think is, at a much earlier stage than we do at the moment, giving people the basic financial skills, building blocks to understand um, their financial uh, position, their financial affairs, budgeting, um, savings, all all the very, very basic aspects of of finance. that Those of us that are a little bit older have learned the good way and and sometimes the, the difficult way, but giving people help to understand what money is and what debt is and what their responsibilities are in respect of both.
0: I see the Just Finance Foundation as a major focus on financial education. What initiatives does the foundation have to support the financial education and knowledge of people struggling with their finances, especially with the pandemic?
1: So our, our major programme is a, is a programme called Lifesavers, which is, has a, a number of elements to it. First of all, it's aimed at primary school children. Because all the research shows that uh, children have developed their their understanding of money or their relationship with money has formed by the age of six or seven. And therefore, getting in uh, at a very early stage and talking not just about the efficacy of money as a means of exchange, but the values and the responsibilities that come with money, i.e. money comes from doing something that people reward you for, they pay you for. And a savings comes from... Putting something aside today for an unforeseen need, or something you're saving up for, so it's about values and responsibility as much as it is about a means of exchange. And we combine that education with uh, with uh, where we can savings clubs, and that's where the, the credit unions come in because uh, children of that age love the, the concept of a, a cash box and, a, and, and savings, and, and it helps the counting, and indeed. The evidence is very clear that, you know, this is contributing to better arithmetic skills among primary school children because it's kind of done within a fun concept.
0: Now, it's my understanding that the Just Finance Foundation has close working relationships with some credit unions that partner with the foundation in offering savings clubs in schools. What are your thoughts on credit unions and are there any practical things that you would like to see credit unions do that would enable the foundation to further its aims?
1: Expanding the knowledge of uh, and impact of credit unions was part of the original sort of targeted outcome for the Just Finance Foundation because it wanted to bring more community based finance into people's consciousness as a place to go that wasn't necessarily as off putting, threatening, not for people like us attitude of the people who are vulnerable may believe. And and the great thing about credit unions is that they're local, they're part of the community. They're much more likely to be empathetic understanding of the particular uh, communities that they serve and therefore to give them the opportunity to interact with with the the school children. Because also what we find is when the, the children take their learning home, whether it's some of the physical materials we produce or just the knowledge, there's almost a sort of a byproduct of educating the parents or getting the parents into a discussion with their, their children. The, the children are kind of saying, you know, we learned this today, mum, why are you doing that? And and we have, you know, anecdotal stories that are charming and and, and inspirational of, of, you know, six year olds telling their mum or dad that, you know, we don't need that and so on. Or you don't need to do that for me because I know you're going to have to borrow money to buy me a new pair of trainers or whatever it might be. And we've had those, those stories told.
0: Now, the Just Finance Foundation is part of the Church Urban Fund. And again, as I understand it, the social justice arm of the Church of England is the Church Urban Fund. So, Sir Douglas, what do you think is the role of the church in general in supporting a fairer financial system?
1: I think it's great, unique proposition in a way. Is is it's very welcoming. Although the program sits under the the Church Urban Fund of the um, the Church of England. I mean, it's it's not exclusive to people who are of a particular faith or of no faith. But basically, it's part of the the social outreach into communities, and and I think that one of its it's not seen as threatening, and because the, the 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 people who help us with this these programs tend to be of the community in the community, um, they're you know, they're not seen as distant and sort of they wouldn't understand my situation, kind of uh, attitude that people may think about the big banks. So that that's the, the real benefit, that it's all of the community. And frankly, the church, through its community activities, gets into parts of the community that maybe even um, citizens' advice and so on doesn't get to because there are people who are basically frightened of going and discussing a financial problem because they feel, I must have made a mistake, or people will think I'm stupid. Whereas, you know, when it's being delivered through a an empathetic organizational structure. People feel I can, I can share my problem. And even if I have done something that, you know, with hindsight I shouldn't have done, people will help me to get out of it.
0: Now, you've obviously spent a great deal of your time in boardrooms of very successful companies, and you've seen good boards operating. So what changes would you make to our credit union boardrooms to make them more effective?
1: you know i think that one of the one of the big issues is how to board spend time on what's important as opposed to what's urgent i mean we've had a year when almost every board agenda has been put put to one side because the urgency of dealing with making sure your your your, your staff are safe they're well equipped And all the sort of um, uh, help that they might need in dealing with difficult situations because of family circumstances in this particular period. So urgent overtakes important. The key thing, I think, for boards is to stand back and think what's important, which is, you know, where's our industry going to be in five or 10 years? Because it's not going to be the same as it is today, particularly when we think of the changes that have come from from the pandemic. And and how how do we need to put ourselves in, how do we need to position ourselves for that change? So what do we need to do with technology? What do we need to do with training our people? Maybe we need to recruit different kinds of people who understand the generations X, Y, and Z as opposed to the generations that we ourselves come from. We need to think much more uh, intelligently about who our competitors are, what our current competitors are doing to prepare themselves for that journey. What are the people who aren't competing with us today? Some app that somebody's building in a garage. What could happen in the next five to ten years, and and how do we position ourselves to be equipped to compete against uh, in, in that challenge? And that's, I mean, that's a lot more fun than dealing with the the day to day urgent stuff, which is important as well. But that kind of longer-term vision, I remember when I was finance director of HSBC, the, the question that still resonates in my mind being asked, actually, it was in a, in a in an Edinburgh meeting where somebody said, tell me the things you're doing today that you're really excited about that we won't see the benefits of for 10 years. And I thought, that's a cracking question and I can't answer it because I don't know. But you should be able to answer a question like that. There should be something in this, sort of the R&D bucket or or just the development ideas that you're thinking, gosh, this could be exciting.
0: So what's a good question directors should be asking each other in their board meetings right at the moment? Well, I mean, I think, you know,
1: think of the, the world we're in at the moment. I mean, the question that's being asked now, that's never really been exposed before, but is so obvious, you wonder why not, is what's the office for? You know, in, in, in the old days, the office was a place where you... You were required to come to work so that you could be supervised. The equipment you needed to do your work and to access the data that the company had that you needed to do your work was all in great big machines in a, an air-conditioned room at the bottom of the building. And the technology was was hardwired into it. Today, you can be anywhere on a on a device. The data is in the cloud. Uh, and you can access it remotely and, and, and deal with it all through Wi-Fi. I mean, so what is the office for? And and what a simple question. And so many organisations are not struggling, but thinking quite creatively about what is it for and, and, and how will our employees, our colleagues, think about the office when they are allowed to come back.
0: So finally, Sir Douglas, what's your golden rule? What's the... Bit of magic that we can leave with the directors and chief executives of the credit unions that we're talking to.
1: What would you tell them? You know, I've been in finance all my life, and one of the things I've always said when I've talked to people coming into the into the function or into the profession is the most important thing is 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 honesty. Because if you're honest, you can remember what you said. Um, you don't have to remember what you how you'd position something maybe not quite right. And and being transparent. Uh, you know, again, I think that if we observe around the world how politicians and institutions have dealt with uh, the pandemic, I think the ones that have come out of it best are the ones that have been totally open and honest about we don't know yet about what's going to happen and totally transparent about what we're going to do next. And and those that have been either dismissive of it or rather sort of um, optimistic about how things will pan out Lose trust, and you know, in any business, and particularly one associated with finance, it's about trust. And you know, you can trust people that are honest and transparent because they're telling you the truth, even if it's an uncomfortable truth or or one that you'd rather not hear. But it's it makes you trust them, and and the whole world, I think, whether it's in politics or finance or medicine, everything depends upon. I've got a message. I need to understand it. I need to believe in that message or at least believe the person who's giving that message is being honest and transparent based on his own knowledge, her own knowledge. And I hope that, again, that's a lesson that's coming out from this current uh, very strange time.
0: Sir Douglas Flint, thank you very much for your time. It's
1: been my pleasure.
0: So there we have it. That was my interview with Sir Douglas Flint, the chair of Standard Life Aberdeen, and also the chair of the very interesting Just Finance Foundation. I'm very impressed with his remarks about transparency and honesty and said that we should make sure that there's some sort of clarity in communication. And I like the remarks that you can build a tremendous loyalty by being open and transparent about the challenges. When I was chatting to him earlier on, he told me that people agonise over external communication without realising that the most important and critical audience is the people that work for you. You've been listening to Talking Credit Unions with Chris Smith. This is a not-for-profit podcast and my time is given freely. I'm constantly on the lookout for stories and topics of interest to credit unions, especially, but not exclusively, in the United Kingdom and Ireland. A contribution to my cost has been made by the Swoboda Centre, and I work with them for additional distribution and inspiration. Thanks for listening today, and if you wish to leave any feedback, please contact smithowls at gmail.com. That smithowls, all one word, at gmail.com Bye now.